Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And now, KC Johnson. Kobe White, pull up three over Karis LeVert and nails it. Insider for NBC Sports Chicago. Give me that Covering everything from the dynasty to Derek to Demar, KC Johnson. I've covered the NBA for a long time. With Mullen Ha. Mullen Ha, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Exciting times in the NBA and always a joy to talk to KC Johnson. He joins us as all guests do. On the score hotline brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. KC, how are you? I'm doing well. Good morning, guys. We are uh, fired up because, you know, the Bulls are on their longest winning streak of the season with the three games and one game below 500. And if they maintain, as I said to David, their laser focus tonight, that's a joke, uh, they can go ahead and get the longest winning streak of the year. I did pick up on that joke. That's a good joke. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> John Moran does not approve, but I do. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we've been here before, right? Uh, almost at 500, uh, almost a four-game win streak. Uh, they are facing a tough opponent that's obviously going to be hungry, uh, given how much they've been scuffling of late. Uh, I believe John's on track to play after missing the last game with some Wrist soreness, so uh, it's right there for them, for them, and uh, they got to go play hard and try to get a W. So, KC, how has the last three games, all victories, affected, if at all, the thinking of AK as the Bulls near the trade deadline? And do you think that if they were leaning one way before the last three-game winning streak, they have been swayed by it? No, it's a valid question, uh, certainly on the minds of a lot of people. I. I can just tell you my impression is that that's not how they operate. And, you know, you can't have, I don't think they're that, I don't think they're that waffling and that on the fence. I think you make a decision as multiple people have been reporting that, you know, when, when I talk to other teams, when they, who they acquired on the bulls, you know, the, the impression from the other teams is the bulls are going to pretty much keep what they've got that that's what they've been telling teams like now, nah, you know, obviously it, it, that's, I don't, I hate the word untouchable because, you know, you come with a ridiculous offer. You're, you're not doing your job if you don't consider it. But the impression is that from the other teams is the bulls are going to, are going to stand pat or at least, you know, not, I shouldn't say stand pat, but at least not move off any of their big pieces. So, um, you know, that's, I don't think a small sample size or, um, you know, a, a small three-game win streak should change philosophy. Um, and, you know, obviously a big offer can change that thinking, but um, that that's a, that's a premise that I'm working under as we move towards the trade deadline. Yeah, I, I, um, 
I think they've done a really good job of flying under the radar. I mean, when you when you hear people say that teams around the league don't know what they want to do, aren't sure whether they're looking to make a big deal or not, that tells you that they've done a very good job of kind of flying low and making sure that they're whatever they're doing is not going to influence other teams that want to jump in on some deal or whatever it might be. They really do a, a great kind of cloak and dagger operation. Yeah, that's also kind of their reputation on the league. Obviously, Arturis has been known like that for a while, even dating to his days in Denver. Um, the other thing to consider, guys, when you talk, look at the Bulls roster, is they really do not have a lot of trade capital. I mean, unless you're unless you're getting involved in a big big move where you move one of those big three. They don't. They don't have a lot of those mid-price contracts for matching salaries. I mean, Kobe would be one, but you know, I know that they, he has value within the locker room and, and within the organization. Um, they they basically have a lot of big salaries and a lot of minimum salaries, um, and they don't obviously have a lot, a lot of draft picks. So they finding a trade partner is not impossible, but it makes it a little bit more difficult unless you're getting involved in one of those big moves where you're, you're going off one of the big three. So that's nothing to consider. Um, that's not to say that nothing will happen. Uh, Drummond's name has been out there. Kobe's name has been out there. Teams are still calling on Caruso. Um, that's pretty well documented. Um, so we'll see how it plays out between now and Thursday. Um, this is a fluid time, and like I said, a big offer can change their thinking. But as of now, I don't see any of the big main core pieces moving from the Bulls. So help me understand the odyssey that Andre Drummond's season has been. Last 11 games, five DNP coaches' decisions, I believe, KC. And last night he has his highest scoring output in two years, has a double-double. I know it was the Spurs but it, it seems as if he's been very professional in his taking his inconsistency. Billy Donovan has explained it. I'm not quite sure I understand it. How do you explain what happened last night? And is he a guy that you think could be on the move? Uh, he certainly could be on the move. His name's been out there in, in conversations I've had. Uh, the joke in the, lo- in the media room last night was trade, trade Vooch and the- Build around the rough drum since, since uh, he's a starting center, but I don't I don't see that happening. Um, yeah, I mean Billy's explained it pretty clearly. He likes Derek Jones Jr. at center because it gives him the, the ability to switch uh, one through five. And they were playing a lot of teams that ran a lot of screen roll. It was funny as good as Andre was offensively last night. The first thing Billy talked about was his defense, and it went past the three steals. It went to his rim protection and his ability to move his feet in screen roll situations. And I think that's what got uh, Andre into trouble, um, you know, when he fell out of the rotation was he was getting into foul trouble very quickly, having difficulty in screen roll. Um, and you're, you're spot on, David. Uh, he handled it incredibly professionally. He's always taken the high road. Uh, I've had a few private conversations with him. He's always taken the high road. There's this circulated story now in the locker room where he, he bought – every player on the team, these expensive, very expensive, huge boxes of cookies and had them sitting in their locker before the last home game. When we asked him about a shoot around yesterday, he said, I just want to spread some love with Valentine's day coming up. I mean, he, he, he and Vooch, he and Vooch talk very respectfully of each other. not only because of their shared battles over the years on the court, but also 
the way they push each other in practice and the way they support each other. So um, good, good for him. You know, he's a veteran. He's in year 11. He's figured out his role in this league is to do whatever the coach asks him. He, I tell you this, when you talk to the guy, he clearly sees himself still as a starter in this league. Um, but, you know, last two seasons he's backed up Joel Embiid and Nikola Vucevic. So that's not happening on those two teams. Um, and we'll see what happens with him uh, between now and Thursday. I think if the right offer comes along for him, it's not even a, a knock on him. I just think you have an opportunity to maybe add some shooting there or fill a need um, if somebody wants to pay for a, a backup center that's playing at a high level. Um, it was interesting to hear Pop before the game talk about the game of basketball. I, I mean, I, I know it was fun when he and Sam were doing the back and forth, but he talked about the, you know, how how prevalent three point shooting is and how important it is in the league. And obviously, he's not a huge fan of that fact and feels that the game of basketball has changed dramatically because of the three point shot. And clearly, it has changed dramatically. But uh, but the Bulls didn't really knock down any threes, and they won by 24. Like, they were, what, 6 of 22. Does that have to change, Casey? Do they have to be better with their three-point shooting? Is that still one of the weaknesses of this group? And do they need to address that in some fashion? And how difficult is that to do at this point in the season? Well, it's not difficult because you can – that's what I mean. I would not be surprised if you're dropping in a deal for – a shooter that's out of some rotation somewhere, you know, it would, would be a big name, but th- there's an opportunity there. You know, what's funny, Molly, is I think the Bulls have been playing very well offensively lately. They've been shooting a very high percentage. Um, they've been recording 25 or more assists virtually every game. They've been getting five to seven players in double figures. That's exactly the offensive philosophy that Billy Donovan uh, envisioned when he you know installed this these tweaks to this offense that was trying to get rid of some of the isolation play that defined the stretch of last season. Um, now that said, if, if you want to go you know places in this league, particularly in the regular season, you do need three point shooting. It's just simple math, and even Pop acknowledged that. He said that's right. just it's just math. I mean, it's never going back. That's just where the league has gone, and I do think. You know, you, the numbers bear it out. I mean, the three-point shooting has been a weakness of this team all season. It's not the percentage. They shoot a good percentage from three. It's the attempts. They're, they're, they've been 28th, 29th, or 30th all season in attempts. Um, so I, I think it's an issue. I think we've been writing since last summer that it's an issue. Um, that said, they have been playing well offensively of late. Come playoff time, I do think the three-point shot, while still very valuable, is – a little bit less important just because the game slows down, tightens up, gets more physical, it gets more in the half court, gets sometimes more mid-rangey. Um, so it's a fun debate. Um, I personally am kind of lean towards Popway. <laughs> he called the game boring because it's all right. three-point shots. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a traditionalist, too. I, I, I kind of like the way the Bulls play just for my own eye. But, you know, by simple math, it's you're going to die a lot more often than you're not just because you look down and you're, you know, minus 18 from the three-point line in that game, and that's that's a tough way to go. Casey, I know you don't like to comment on other people's reporting, but I look at some of these rumors that are circulating about the Bulls maybe showing interest in Mike Conley or Terry Rozier, and I know that there might not be anything to that, but I do wonder if those names are being out there and maybe the Bulls are making phone calls, it suggests to me that this is a regime that believes 
in this season still, that they're going to take this as far as it can go, that maybe even if it tops out at a a first-round playoff victory or whatever the case may be, they still think that with this core, they're going to see as much as, as possible, they're going to give it a chance to succeed. Is that reading too far into some of these rumors? Do you expect that to be the, the mindset heading into the trade deadline? Well, I think the mindset is accurate, but I don't think the targets are accurate. I think the mindset is accurate with what they have on their roster because if you're going to go get one of those guys, you're trading one of those core pieces. That goes back to my earlier point. They don't have the mid-range salaries to get up to those guys' numbers without trading one of the big three. So the mindset to me is absolutely accurate. You've heard this ad nauseum from management, the times that they talk on the record is, you know, continuity, see this group grow together, improvement. And there's still belief, you know, at least my read on it, uh, there's still belief internally that this group can do that. Um, uh, you know, obviously, if they trade, end up between now and Thursday trading one of those big three, an offer came in that, that changed that mindset. But uh, they're, not, they're not going to get those guys like Conley or Rozier unless they're, they're giving up one of the big three. So I, I just – to me, it comes back to the salary structure. That, to me, limits a little bit of what you can do if, if you are going to keep those three core pieces together, which it sounds like uh, they plan on doing. So, so but yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, looking at contracts, right? So Vooch has an expiring contract. That would be one of the reasons that he could be on the move, just because you need to get something or you're going to have to uh, give him some money. Um, Kobe White, they've got a decision to make on him, right? Isn't he a yep. restricted free agent? Who else would fall into that category? Uh, Drummond's got a player option. You know, DeRozan's extension eligible, but he's signed through next season. Zach's just starting out. Uh, Caruso, totally team-friendly deal. So. I mean, yeah, I, I've I've said to you guys that my eyes have been on Vooch because of that contract right. situation. Be, you know, with the, the the difference with Kobe is you still have the power there. You can match. Yes. You you can you 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 can sign and trade. You you have a lot of different ways you can go there. Um, Vooch is a little trickier, but I have not heard much with Vooch. This, you know, I, I made some calls and I've not heard much on Vooch. But you know, two years ago I hadn't heard a word about Vooch, and then he was traded for Orlando to. <laughs> The Bulls, so um, things can happen, uh, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't see them going out and getting any of those guys unless you're, you're including one of your big, your big three. Casey, I saw your report during the broadcast, one of them over the weekend, I believe it was, about Kyrie Irving and how if the Bulls were to get involved in a remote way, it would have been as a third team potentially. That didn't happen. I just wondered when you look at the Kyrie deal now, what would your reaction was in terms of what that means to? the Eastern Conference, and just overall as a guy who's covered the league for a long time, the reality of having a guy who has been so disruptive and yet so talented. Yeah, well, I mean, Kendall Gill came back with a good uh, comp in my ear that night. Uh, He said, well, the Bulls traded for Dennis Rodman once, right? And I will say um, that was a good point. Um, I'm not a Kyrie guy just because I've seen – that's a good word, destruction. Did you see – yeah, you said destruction – I, I'm not. It's a weird one because you're right. He is such a sublime talent and plays at such a high level this season. But he just, to me, it, it, it makes it difficult. And I, I know some people in the Nets organization, and I know that there's been the sigh of relief uh, with, with that situation being resolved. Um, so, 
you know, the, 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 the way to look at that trade is, does KD stay? I mean, that if KD stays, to me, it's a win. I think you got a decent package for him, given that he's kind of holding you hostage. Um, as far as it impacting the East, um, you know, the Bulls own the Nets, even with Kyrie on the team. <laughs> 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 so, but, uh, no, I, I don't see it impacting the East much. I mean, you know, that team's going to go where KD takes them. Bulls aren't really in that conversation. Um, and the last quick comp that I came up with uh, when Kendall brought up the Rodman uh, analogy to me after the fact, I didn't think of this quickly enough on air. My buddy Sam Smith helped me with this is that the Bulls had incredible leadership structure when they brought Rodman in, you know, going to Jordan right. Pippen and making right. sure they'd keep him in line. So the Bulls were never in on that Kyrie thing, except in, if they were going to get involved in a three way. Um, Damian Lillard on the way. Who said that? There was somebody like <laughs> Kevin was, Garnett. Kevin Garnett. Yeah, there you go. The Future, Bulls should uh, trade for yeah. Why, why yeah. don't the Bulls? Casey, get we, LeBron? we agree why that the, the Bulls, the Chicago should insane. offer the bean for Dame Lillard. There you go. And then there, you we, go. there you go. Future capologist Kevin Garnett. <laughs> <laughs> but they could never make a move like that. They need to trade two guys to get him. Two of the big three. Yeah, numbers are uh, pretty high on those contracts. Yeah, Dave's Dave's a special dude, though, man. man. Oh wow, great! That was an incredible. He's one of the few guys that that I actually get really excited to watch play basketball. Obviously, when you do this as long as we all have, you you know you you appreciate all nights. But there are certain nights where you get pretty fired up, and he he's one of them. He's worth he's worth the price of admission. That guy's something special to watch. And Casey, knowing you, I know that you'll take that approach tonight if LeBron James is able to get. 36 points and pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as to be the all-time leading scorer. You've always been a guy that has respected LeBron. I just wondered if um, you'll be taking time out tonight to, to make sure that you see that if that happens or maybe the you know having the flair for the dramatic, LeBron will wait until Thursday night for a national yeah. televised game against the Bucks. He'll sit out this one. Yeah, and 36 is a lot. I mean, he can get it, obviously, but 36 is a lot. Um, but, no, it's, it's – ridiculous i mean it's nba history and you know the fact he's top five assists too speaks to his greatness his longevity his consistency his durability just keep naming adjectives and um i thought popovich was fantastic about him pregame talking about the most impressive thing about him is that he just held himself with such class and such you know great representation since he's a teenager i mean this guy's been in the spotlight in the social media era and the twitter age his entire life, and he's had what? As, as Pop said, one small, insignificant, or in, irrelevant snafu with the decision, which, you know, rip it for all you want. It was kind of dumb, but it still raised a lot of money for charity. So if that's his lowest moment, I mean, the dude is, you know, I know he can be polarizing and, and difficult at times for organizations um, because he can be a little passive aggressive at times, but the way he's represented the league, oh my gosh, and just such a great player for such a long time. He he said yesterday that he wasn't complaining, but he would like to be able to go to Target. I know. <laughs> well, I'd like to Michael not George have World. to go to Target, Casey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They deliver. <laughs> welcome, to, welcome to Michael Jordan's world, right? You know, yeah, it's like, exactly. Yeah. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. We appreciate Good it. Good stuff, KC. Have fun, guys. Take care. All right. That is KC Johnson. He did. Yeah. LeBron said he, said, he lamented and, that and he, he couldn't go to He wanted to go target. have his, his name written on a cup at Starbucks like everybody else and being able yeah. to go in and get it. Like, well, yeah. let me tell you. I mean, like, that sounds great for, like, a day, LeBron, but if you're in – 
like everybody else. It's it's not as much fun as it may seem. I don't seem. think he would like, when people say stuff like that, you respect it, but then they think, do you really want to wait in line? No. Do you really? Do you, do you really want to fly commercial? No. <laughs> Don't you want to have a jet? Right. Not so bad. 312-644-6767. It's Wally and Haw, the score. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Matt! How could you? Mully at Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6 7 to the score. I just spent uh, the entire kind of break there watching Chuck Swirsky dance over the Bulls' victory. Have you seen that one yet? Oh, yeah, I've seen that one. The Bulls' band is going, and he's. Just skipping in front of it and really goes He's into it. going crazy. Yes. I'm getting out the dancing shoes. He did. He That's did as it. exuberant yeah. of a post-game victory dance as I've seen from Chuck Swirsky this year. That's really something. I think he's in mid-season form. God, it's wonderful. So they were also celebrating there, as we heard, Matt Nagy, uh, so to speak. Maybe yeah. a little bit of a segue there. Are we, are, we, uh, are we celebrating Matt Nagy? Well, I think that Matt Nagy is... He's Obviously, the on the Chiefs staff going to the Super Bowl, I still think that as much success as he has enjoyed and he landed on his feet back in Kansas City, I bet you he would trade this season to still be the head coach of the Chicago Bears. You definitely... How would they have done? I don't think they've been any different. Okay. I, I just don't think that it would have been much different. I, mean, I, I, I wouldn't say they'd be worse. How could you be worse? You were 3-14. and 14. You could probably safely say they might be better only because had Nagy stayed, some other talent might have stayed. But I think it's a it's an impossible hypothetical. What is interesting, though, is that here it, last night was opening night at the Super Bowl. Mm. And all of the assistants and all of the players and everyone from both teams available to the media. So uh, Matt Nagy was a – of course, asked by members of the Chicago media contingent on hand, I think from CHGO and the Sun-Times, Patrick Finley is there, just about Justin Fields and his emergence this year. So that situation, again, there's so many things that can go on. You know, you know, uh, take care. Uh, Andy got hurt, yeah. and we, we had a plan through this whole thing. Everybody said, hey, you're trying to do the, the Alex Smith, uh, Patrick Mahomes deal. They're all different. And we, we wanted to make sure that we we handled Justin. We knew that that was our future. And we wanted to handle him and do everything we possibly could to make sure that he succeeded. Scheme, um, how we handle practices, everything. And there, it's just a, that was a unique situation um, with, with our quarterback room. They were all great. They handled it great. But, you know, it, it just didn't go the way we wanted it to. And, again, you just learn from it. These guys are so young, and when they're thrown into it, everybody thinks that it could just happen overnight. Right. They're going to play like they did in college. That's not real. 
Um, and so, as you're when you're a coach and you go through your your offense, your scheme, your players, you want to do everything you possibly can to make it easy for them to succeed, whatever that is. And we learn too as coaches. And so, you know, you go back to the Cleveland Browns game, right? It was a, a really, really uh, difficult game. I think there was eight or nine sacks. For, and it's not what we wanted for, for him, for Justin, right? We didn't want it for us. We didn't want it for Justin. The last thing you want is to hurt, is to hurt somebody's confidence, a young quarterback like we did that game. Yeah. No one wants that, you know, for anybody. And so we needed to learn from that and be able to change some things in how we handled him. And But you, you end up running out of time, and, and you also know that, uh, schematically, you know, um, it just was a, it was a, a different situation. So that was Matt Nagy in response to our buddy Mark Carmen from CHGO asking him about any regrets about starting Justin Fields as early as he did as a rookie. And um, that was the answer. And apologies to anybody who might have swerved off the road being triggered by hearing Matt Nagy's voice again. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know, David. It's, it's difficult to understand how – Poorly that ended up when they get that guy, they bring him in. I think Andy said he was the most prepared guy he'd ever had to be a head coach. And it just, it just didn't fire. They had one good year and the, and the offense honestly had one half a season before it kind of fell apart. Um, Obviously he was brought in to work with Mitch and then they end up keeping the, the group together too long and they let him, uh, draft the quarterback, and uh, and lo and behold, I mean there were some rough moments with uh, with uh, Justin Fields under Matt Nagy. He never felt like he um, was taking advantage of what uh, the quarterback could do. He just wanted the quarterback to run his scheme. That was it. The devotion to the scheme over the talent, yeah, and the skill set of the quarterback was what ultimately led to his dismissal or firing in the Matt Nagy era basically was just backward yes they won too soon if you can and then couldn't win again raised expectations and couldn't duplicate that and couldn't match that kind of magic they had in 2018 a lot of things changed for 2018 Vic Fangio uh left and I think that was a big factor so you look at some of the realities of why things didn't work here. It's ground that we have covered a has, lot. Has Vic been hired? Is that is that over? Is he in Miami? Who's that? Vic Fangio? Yeah. I believe so. Okay, that's yeah, done I, then. I, I, it was I'm not sure if they've weird. introduced him, but I think okay. he's off the market because San Francisco's interviewing other defensive coordinator candidates and, and elsewhere. So I do think that he is off the market at $4.5 million a year. Pretty but when he left, Matt Nagy was all by himself, Oops. so to speak. And we found out that maybe, you know, he was limited in terms of being a head coach. I, I I wonder about his future. There have been a lot of offensive coordinator openings around the league, 10 vacancies this offseason. He's only interviewed for one, which surprised me a little bit because maybe it reflects just how much his stature has been damaged from from not succeeding in Chicago. But I Where do Where did he interview? He interviewed in ten, in Tennessee, I believe. Wow. I can't imagine Matt Nagy going to run an offense that is led by Derrick Henry. No, that wouldn't make any sense. I don't think that they would run the Wildcat that often. Yeah, you know, they, I, I can't see. I can't see him leaning into the running game that much. I, I understand why we're interested in Matt Nagy and the, the connection uh, in um, in Kansas City, but to me, 
the most interesting storyline of this Super Bowl from a Bears perspective is Ryan Poles coming from Kansas City and his his dear friend and number two coming from Philadelphia, Ian Cunningham. So you've got the brain trust of Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham representing uh, someone who was there while they were building a Super Bowl team on on uh, either the NFC or the uh, AFC. You've got the two deepest rosters in the NFL. Yes. And you have, with the Bears front office now, the two de- lead decision makers yes. who come from each of those teams. So how can they take whatever it was that they learned from those experiences and apply that to building the Bears roster or rebuilding the Bears roster? The teardown is complete. Now you've got to start adding things back and building it back up. So how do you learn from that? And I think the lesson is, you know, in Kansas City, it's impossible to duplicate that because there's only one Patrick Mahomes. But you look at the way they have improved their defensive line with Chris Jones, Frank Clark, the kid from Purdue, Karloftis, the rookie. You know, you look at the way that they've emphasized that, and you look at Philadelphia as the model team of having building from the ball on out. And I think that is the takeaway you'd like to have for both Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham, bring that to Chicago. Use that use that blueprint and and just build a Super Bowl team. Well, yeah, that's all. <laughs> Quickly too. <laughs> We've got uh, Coach Wanstead will join us next. We'll talk to Dave and uh and we'll go over that. You know, everyone everyone has uh a game plan, right? What's what is the line? Everyone has a plan, then they get punched in the face. That uh I believe was uh, Mike Tyson. Mike used Tyson it, but it is credited him. with that. It's it been wasn't other him. people. It was, I think it was yeah. uh, it was a, another uh, heavyweight champion. The Bears got punched that. in the face fourteen times this year. Yeah, they did. And uh, and we'll talk to Coach Wanstead about the big game and what his expectations are. We'll do that next. It's Mully and Hall on the score. Dave Wanstead, Bears head coach for six seasons. The Bears. The Bears. Super Bowl champion. He has the greatest mustache you've ever seen. Some say it's a symptom of manliness. Others a cause, the mustache. When he hanging out with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Open up the door, it's Dave. Who? Dave, D-A-V-E. Dustin, I, we're not going to waste airtime on that, okay? Thank you. Next question, <laughs> thank you. next question, thank, thank next question. Much. Dave Wanstead. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to the score. Always a delight to talk to Coach Wanstead, and he joins us, as all guests do, on the score hotline brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Dave, good morning. How you holding up? I'm doing good. You know where I was at this past weekend? For Bear fans, they may remember uh, Chris Valero. The offensive yeah. lineman. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, I drafted him, what, fifth round. He played, I think, 11 years. He went to two Pro Bowls. He is the head coach at St. Francis University outside of Pittsburgh. Oh, really? And uh, I think it's a Division three school. And uh, he, um, uh, they went undefeated in the conference play. Wow. He's really built a great program up there. And uh, so he, uh, he's he been asking me to come up and, you know, do something at their football banquet and so forth. So I flew into Pittsburgh, and uh, it's about, a, like I said, an hour outside. My man Tony Wise picked me up, 
and uh, we went up and, and spent some time with Chris and, and hung out and had a great time. Wasn't he on a line with uh, Rex Tucker and obviously Olin? And well, well, he was Olin, Big Cat, Todd Perry, and who was the other tackle? Let me think. Uh, but, yeah, no, he was uh, – he's very close. He talks to Olin and Big Cat and Pat Manley all the time. So that, that group was a, a close-knit group, and they were together for, for a while. Yeah, that's great. That was uh, that was a really good group, and uh, <clears throat> I, I guess Dave, we look at the the Super Bowl, and you can't help but look at the line of scrimmage. And you know, we were talking about it earlier. the The Bears have two guys. They got obviously Ryan Poles coming out of Kansas City, and they have uh, Ian Cunningham, his number one, coming out of Philadelphia. And you look at the two teams in the Super Bowl, and and you know, obviously. They can win on the line of scrimmage. Very important element of uh, NFL football. Yeah, you know, I, I think the the biggest – yes, I agree with you. I mean, this will be a game where there's probably been more uh, – you know, you talk about the Pro Bowl players on, on the Philadelphia's offensive line. Uh, God, I've been watching some tape. I mean, I, I did not realize that Kelsey, the center for the Eagles – was such an athlete. I mean, if you leave him uncovered uh, and you give him a chance to pull and, and get out there, I mean, he's he is as effective on some of these blocks as a fullback. The guy's a great player. It's obviously he's a full Pro Bowl player. But I, I think the other side, the, the matchup is going to be, you know, Chris Jones, the defensive lineman for the Chiefs is – arguably had the best year, you know, the, his best defensive lineman maybe in football this year. I think he led, you know, the NFL in sacks, and he's just a force doing everything. Well, the two guards, Dickerson and Driscoll, the two guards for the Eagles, I mean, that will be a real interesting matchup. That Because uh, if, if they can contain him and keep him from being disrupt, disruptive, then obviously their running game, uh, you know, Running game will have a real good chance. Hey, Dave, as you're watching tape of the Eagles, how many times do you see Lane Johnson jumping early to get out of his stance to start pass blocking? He has mastered the art of getting an early jump. At the at times, it looks like it's a legal procedure. Yeah, you think it has anything to do like the Michael – I call it the Michael Jordan syndrome of Colin Fowles and the Tom Brady syndrome of roughing the passer. You know, I mean <laughs> – Everybody in the league knows. I mean, you're right, David. He does. He does a fantastic job. But you know, you're you're. He's, officials are probably less inclined to throw a flag. I hate to say it on Lane Johnson than on some rookie somewhere. But uh, no, he knows what he has to do, and that's what these veterans understand. They they know. And I was around a lot of guys that when their when their athletic skills start you know, dissipate when they start going down, when, when they start losing that edge, they're smart enough to understand what they have to do to offset that. And I think that that's what, why Lane Johnson is such a great player is he knows that if he's, if he gets off on a time and waits and he's, or he's late that, uh, you know, he's dealing with some injuries that he won't be as effective. So these, these veterans, they are crafty. They take advantage of, everything that they possibly can and that's why they're pros they should do that yeah it is it is really something um special to kind of look at these teams and and contemplate how they're created and and wonder 
uh, where their you know where their weakness is. Uh, you know, Lane Johnson is he not carrying an injury? Isn't he kind of yes. like? Yes. There's a lot of guys that are kind of playing pretty banged up and will need resolution to that, but that they're still you know able to be. Uh, Lane Johnson's still a dominant player. I mean, you start looking at the best players in the game. And and you know he's in the he's in the the photo. I, he's a hell of a player, and you know maybe the best players are on Kansas City. I don't know. Maybe you you look at it and you say Mahomes is the best player in the game, followed by Travis Kelsey, and uh, and you wonder where a guy like uh, Chris Jones would stand against the numbers that they can put up on on the Philadelphia side. I I think that um, it, it's real. If you were just rating players. Um, you, you would have to say that uh, that the front line talent of Kansas City is as good as anything you got at Philly, but Hassan Reddick is proven to be kind of a game wrecker in the playoffs here, and has had an unbelievable season. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I I think Kansas City because they've been there before, and Mahomes, and you mentioned Kelsey. I mean, they've they've got some guys, you know, that are, that Chris Jones that are more of a household name and, and more, have more familiarity as far as media attention than maybe what Philadelphia does because, you know, first time getting there. But I, I don't uh, I don't know, Molly. I, I, I like – I think this whole thing is going to come down. You know, usually you say, is it first down? Is it third down? What's going to win the game? When I look at this matchup, I think the key to Philadelphia's offense, while we're talking Lane Johnson and, and their offense – is really first down because uh, they're first in the NFL in third down conversions when it's manageable. Why is that? Because they, they present the run pass option with the quarterback, Jalen Hurts. That puts a lot of stress on the defense. But when they get backed up, all of a sudden you look at Kansas City's defense and they're number one pass defense. I mean, they are number one. So, if if Philadelphia gets himself in third down and sevens and third down and eights, advantage big time, I think, swings to to Kansas City's defense versus Philadelphia's offense. Dave, uh, we, that, that's a great point. The first down, because of Jalen Hurts, so important. He's run the ball 165 times this year. We talk in yep. Chicago all the time about sustainability of Justin Fields running, and J- Jalen Hurts carried the ball five more times than Justin Fields did this year are they worried about his durability moving forward you know what sure i mean why why i'm I'm sure he is and his agent is and his family but at the end of the day you know you you got and i remember john robinson you know we we had a conversation when eric dickerson was playing for the rams and we were at university of miami and we went out there i had worked with north turner at usc so we were out there visiting the rams and and Jimmy was standing there. We were all talking about Eric Dickerson, the number of carries and so forth. And John Robinson, who had Marcus Allen and Anthony Davis and on and on, you know, at USC, he, he said to Jimmy, he says, you know, when you get a great player that does some things that you don't coach, that are just phenomenal, you, you have to maximize that. This league is too short, uh, you know, coaching players, everything else. You have to maximize what this player can do as much as he can do it and not worry about three years from now. So I look at Jalen Hurts. I look at Justin Fields in the same light, guys. 
and say, you know what, whatever we got to do to get the most out of Justin Fields to get to the Super Bowl, because deep down, that's what Justin wants. That's what he wants. And, and everyone's going to talk, oh, we want to be healthy and we want to save it for three years down the road. Well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't see it that way. I don't see it that way. And, and maybe it's a little bit selfish on my part to, to win a Super Bowl and try to win it now. But uh, I, I think that's the way you got to go with these great players. I really do. All right, Dave, we're going we're gonna to take a quick timeout. We'll come back and we'll uh, continue the discussion with Coach Wanstead. It's Mully and Hall at Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.